It's Law in the Limelight, where three attorneys talk about entertainment law and business topics. I'm Max Haas, along with Winton Yates and Peter Speroni, and this week we're talking about estate issues for artists. Guys, why is this such an important topic? Well, first, we've got recently a lot of celebrities that are passing away, most recently DMX, and we're coming up on the anniversary uh, just a couple of days ago of the passing of Prince. Yes, a massive artist, uh, including Aretha Franklin, as well as we all, we all know. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty mind-boggling how they can have such large estates and not have a established will in place with clear directions on, uh, you know, who gets what, especially when there's, you know, large families involved and multiple entities, publishing companies, record labels, everybody else who may take a grab at the, at, at the pot to not have it clearly, uh, clearly laid out seems to be a bit odd, but it seems to also be very common, which is an interesting aspect of all of this. Yeah, it certainly is. And, you know, we all die. So this is something that affects literally everyone, artist or not. And in the case of artists, we're dealing, you know, you mentioned lots of complicated companies and entities, but then there's also the copyrights, right? We have property that's at the center of this that often people don't even always think about as property. Um, so the reason we're talking about this this week, as uh, Winton alluded to, but, you know, DMX passed away recently. Uh I don't know if anyone saw this, but quite the funeral service with a monster truck taking his casket to the uh, space where the ceremony was held. And then this Kanye Sunday service choir doing this incredible performance under all red light. Really interesting stuff. And then around the same time, we had news of uh, a new a new release from Prince premiered on 60 Minutes of all things. Um, and just back in March, there were some headlines about Aretha Franklin's estate. So that's that's kind of what spurred us to talking about this. But this is something that has been an issue for a long time in the arts and entertainment world. Um, are there other other artists, other instances you guys know about you want to just chat about a bit? Yeah. So there's actually a pretty big list. Uh, I know I'm later on in the show. I'm going to talk specifically about Jimi Hendrix. But Jimi Hendrix died without a will. Bob Marley. Sonny Bono, Pablo Picasso. I don't know if I'm sure everybody remembers DJ AM. He died without a will. Um, Abraham Lincoln, who was a freaking attorney, died without a will. So we've got a broad spectrum of people from several different industries with within the arts and entertainment industry and attorneys who have died without a will. And we're talking about estates of hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. Yeah, I think the statistic is something like approximately 80% of Americans die without a will. And what's significant about that is that a, a will is your opportunity to dictate what happens to your property after you pass away. So with 80% of people not making use of that, what it means is that distributing all of this property and figuring out who owns what and who has control over what ultimately ends up being uh, handled by state courts because every state has its own rules on how estates are handled and i mean for musicians in particular i mean we got to think about when you write a song there are when you write one song there are essentially what two copyrights that are born the composition and the the masters and you got to figure out who owns what and how that can be controlled and what you can do with it down the road especially with an instance like prince where they had some issues with his estate after he passed away, 
And then now that they got it all figured out, and like you were just saying, the state courts had to essentially go in, figure out what was going on. They ended up giving control of the estate over to his sister. And now the estate's able to go back through all of his music. And we we get the honor of hearing Prince music that had never put it, had never been put out. I think it's supposed to come out in the end of July. And it's a it's a it's a whole new album. Welcome to America. Uh, oh yeah, that was the name you know, of the lead single that just came out a couple of weeks ago. Right, and it's all new music. And if they hadn't been able to figure out what was going on with the estate, who knows? We might never be able to get that kind of music. You, you think about it too, though. Like it, it doesn't seem to um, align with a lot of these. I guess maybe the, the way the artists lived their lives. I mean, the last thing you'd think Prince would ever want would be the state to be filtering through all of his assets, all of his art. I mean, he was such a um, unique person in that, you know, he, he, he had this aura about him. He was sort of the exception to every rule. In interviews, he was very, you know, withdrawn. He sort of had this, this public persona on stage, but behind the camera was completely withdrawn from society in these, these sort of nuanced ways. To, to think that his final, you know, wishes or his final assets his final creations of his music and, and his art would be decided by a state seems to just run counter to everything he was about i th- i find that to be interesting it's almost as if you know if everybody dies and it's sort of the sphere of, of of dealing with the reality i think is is why right. people are hesitant to to do a will i mean i think it's interesting you bring up like the artist mindset because you do a lot of artists that i work with like that's all they want to do is their art, their music, whatever it is they're into, whether it's photography or, or filmmaking, they just want to, they just want to do art. Yeah. Uh, and you kind of have to like poke and prod them to like, think about, okay, you got to think about the business side. You got to think about like, who's going to control this when you die. Cause eventually you're going to die. Um, and I know before we were talking about like, okay, copyright was put into place with rules that will basically help your descendants benefit from the art that you've done. So what is it? Copyright lasts your entire lifeline plus 70 years after that? After your death. So that's just that yeah. put in place so that your kids, your kids' kids can benefit off of your screenplays or your music or whatever you put out. Um, Absolutely. And that, I mean, that just kind of goes into like Jimi Hendrix. So he died in 1970 and the fight over his estate lasted about 30 years uh, and wow. it was between his siblings and his dad. And then Jimi Hendrix, he never got married, but he had two kids. His dad ended up getting control of his estate, which was estimated at like $80 million. His dad died and wrote a will, which was upheld by the courts that basically kept everybody else out of the will. He gave it over to, I think, Jimmy's sister. And it took them decades to be able to get control of Jimmy's estate to be able to do anything with it. And then on the back end, it ended up being, they ended up having to sue for damages for another company, which was owned by his brother, using Jimmy's likeness Mm -hmm. for other stuff. So it ended up just being like this tangled weave of 30 years of just mess. It, it, yeah. it gets complicated quickly. I mean, the same kind of thing is happening with Aretha Franklin. 
you know, now at this point, we know that there's three handwritten wills that were found. Were they signed? Were they not signed? Now there's a fourth one that just appeared. Each one of them designates something to somebody else. One of them designates her youngest son as sort of the executor. Um, you know, and, and, and so which one prevails, which one, which one, this is going to be a long, long, long battle. The the one thing about her, she didn't, her estate is large, but she didn't write many songs. Uh, she did a lot of covers, but she didn't write many, but the ones she did write were, you know, big, big hits. Um, but you know, you've got entities that are tied into that ownership. So it gets complicated when everyone who was associated with those songs from from the jump now fighting over an ambiguous four-part will that's handwritten and some signed and some not i mean it gets messy quick i, I don't see them resolving this anytime soon um with her estate and then we're talking about somebody like aretha franklin like people's opinion of that celebrity in their life kind of gets in the mix like mm-hmm. it gets drowned out by the actual law because with aretha franklin she had a life partner her boyfriend for decades they never got married and then when she died everybody was like well what does he get nothing nothing <laughs> yeah. right. you know well he should they were together no the, the law doesn't say he gets anything he yeah gets nothing so you 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 wonder if, if on one option these these massive artists with massive estates are just completely callous people that want to screw everybody in their lives upon death and that can't be it i mean that we're talking her children here we're talking you know siblings and everything else so it, it, it's just this interesting sort of missed opportunity over and over and over again with large estates especially for musicians it's it, it's fascinating i mean if you look at like amy winehouse she died like okay prince's estate was worth 200 million amy winehouse died she was young like i think about like amy winehouse and kurt cobain they were young wills may not have been like on their mind aretha franklin was like in the demographic of people who should have been talking about wills she and knowing she was dying with pancreatic right. cancer i mean it's it's you're, but like with the size of estates too prince was 200 million dollars amy winehouse was only estimated at what 4.66 million doesn't sound a lot next to two hundred million dollar estate, but it's still that can do something for like your family when you pass. And at the Absolutely. time of death, it's worth that much. Over time, with the interest in the copyright up plus the seventy years, if that's coming back to you, Amy Winehouse is you know still generating yes. money from the songs that she's written moving forward. So you're not just looking at the current estate from the time of death, but you're really looking at the projection of revenue that you would have made off of those assets moving forward, especially with copyrights. Mm -hmm. So there's the potential, especially with someone like Amy Winehouse or Kurt Cobain, or, I mean, they're just, they're, they're, they're ingrained in history because they died, but because they're extremely talented too. And that's just going to get rarer and rarer and rarer as as farther away we get from their death. So those values are just going to increase and there's money that's just left there. Um, It's, it's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I did want to take just one quick step back here. So when we talk about, <laughs> like what Winton mentioned with Aretha Franklin's boyfriend not getting anything, um, what, we're, what we're referring to there is the basic rules of what's called intestate succession in every state in the U.S., and each state has its own specific rules. And uh, the only state I can really comment on intelligently as Louisiana because I learned this stuff in law school and in studying for the bar exam 
Um, and so these rules may be different in other states, but just by way of illustration, what happens in Louisiana if you die without a will is essentially there's a sequence of who your heirs are. So if you're married, your spouse is first in line. If you're not married or if your spouse passed away before you did, then your kids are next in line. If you don't have kids, then it moves down to, I believe, your parents. And then if, if your parents aren't around, then your siblings. And so that's a rigid formulaic thing and every state has something similar to that the specific sequence may be different from one state to the next but the point is that if there's no will or if even if there's a will but it can't be verified and won't be accepted by the court then that set of rules is going to dictate what happens there's really no exceptions to it very few exceptions i should say and so when you look at someone's estate upon their passing, the very first thing that people usually look for is, is there a will here? Because that's going to be the easiest way to figure out how we divide this stuff up. And then when it's not there is where it gets messy because partly because a lot of people don't understand what the default rules are. And so if they're a boyfriend, if they're a sibling, if they're a child, they might think, oh, this obviously should go to me but the law usually already has kind of a, a system that gets used for that. So that being said, um, you guys have talked a bit about Prince and Aretha Franklin. Um, and, and you mentioned something interesting, you know, someone like Amy Winehouse or Kurt Cobain, you know, maybe they're not necessarily thinking about having a will because, you know, the two of them, as well as Jimi Hendrix, uh, all passed away at the age of 27. I don't know really any 25 or 26 year olds who are thinking about uh, having even the most basic of wills, um, much less something more sophisticated. Um, and so that's kind of an interesting challenge in and of itself, right? Like how do we, how do we tell younger artists, hey, something could happen and you have this art that could potentially be important later on. Maybe you should do something to protect it. I mean, I'm not an estate planning attorney, but I don't feel too uncomfortable telling my artist clients it's maybe not a bad idea to at least think about. What are your thoughts on this? So I think when we're talking to younger artists that are kind of in this window of an Amy Winehouse or a Kurt Cobain or, or just any of these younger artists, it's to look at like, you know, Kurt Cobain. He is, in his time, he was a massive hit. And then once he passed, I mean, it's like any artist, the value of their work, even not to not to speak on someone's death as if it's like got a dollar amount attached to it. But when you're talking about an artist, their art usually goes up in value oh, yeah. when they pass. And if you're talking about IP, intellectual property, the word property is in there because it is actual property that you own in a physical way, even if it's not like physical, like you can touch and hold it it still is property that has ownership rights attached to it that you can give and allow other people to use and if you don't if you don't give it to someone someone will come in and take it and and you have you know when when someone's coming in and taking it and it's just the state divvying it up you know 
it's not going to be a real robust conversation. You know, they're not going to sit down and, you know, I mean, we are, what are we, our last episodes on NFTs, it's not like the state's going to sit down and sort of anticipate how to divvy up in the new sort of crypto NFT world. They're not going to really go that extra mile. They're just going to, it's going to sort of like a black and white, like here are the rules. This is the default. There was no, well, boom, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here. But if you've, you, if you have that will, you know, you have, I, I guess I would say like to the younger artists or, you know, more successful artists where you're seeing some revenue and copyright, it, it, it's a, a way to be creative with your assets after death. So, you know, I think maybe that might be a good approach to have that conversation is, you know, contract for, contract for, will will out your, your, your estate in a creative manner um, to take a look at basically staying uh, with your copyright revenue and ownership in creative ways moving forward. And that can all be laid out, you know, as the will really can say anything it wants, you know, if you, if you want to, you can put anything in your will that you want basically. So I think that might be a good way to approach those artists that do maybe have a catalog of song generating money said, you know, we do a lot of licensing deals for you as attorneys. We do a lot of, you know, record label deals and we get creative the will should be no no exception to that. It should be a manifestation of your assets and create a form moving forward to account for all the changes of what could be or what is now. Um, so I think that might be a good way to maybe have those conversations with musicians out there. I mean, if you look at artists like Bob, if you look oh, at okay. artists like Bob Marley, who died at 36, he had 11 kids and a wife. Um, he died with no will. Even though he was in Jamaica, we're not talking about the U.S., the the state, the government entity in Jamaica only gave his wife 10% of his estate. So if it, in his mind, he was thinking, wow. okay, I, I didn't, I love my wife so much. I want her to at least have half of my estate and then my, uh, my kids get the other half and I'll divvy up the other half. Nobody knows that but you if you don't write it down. So when he dies, they can't anticipate, oh, right. he meant, he really wanted, he loved his wife, he wants her to have half. When he dies, okay, what does the law say? Let's look at the book, let's look at the book. Okay, we do the math, she gets 10% here, that's it. And everybody kind of looks like, ooh, he only gave her 10%? Ooh. No, he may have wanted her to have half, but nobody knows that because you're gone. It's not a personal experience right. when the the state entity or you know is involved in this distribution it's not they don't care they're just gonna like, probate this out and get it done yeah it's very dry it's right. here it is this goes here this goes here there's no questions um that that's unfortunate right yeah and peter i really i really like the way you you explain that i mean the idea of kind of getting creative with your estate planning as a way of sort of being consistent with an artist's approach to their art during life as well. One quick thing I would want to say is it's a very rare thing that an entertainment lawyer is also an estate planning attorney. Usually a good idea to talk to a specifically an estate planning attorney about these kinds of things because they're going to know about the various ways that things can be challenged in court later and how to prevent against that. They're going to know about the tax impact of your estate planning. They're going to be able to talk to you about whether a ordinary will is sufficient for what you're doing versus maybe setting up a trust or something along those lines. So I did want to just throw that out there for anyone who's listening that 
good idea to seek out a, a specialist for this type of thing because estate planning law is quite complicated. Um, but that being said, when you're an artist, it may be a good idea to sort of have an entertainment attorney and an estate planning attorney coordinate on that and kind of work together to, to put something together that makes sense for what that artist's vision is. And, and it's interesting you brought that up because even in the situations where an artist actually has had the foresight to do some kind of estate plan, there can still be issues, right? Like Aretha Franklin had four different wills. Um, another, you know, fairly well-known example from the past couple of years is the Tom Petty estate. I was just reading about that a few days ago. And, um, you know, basically Tom had set up a trust and he specifically named his, his wife, it was his second wife, but the, the person he was married to at the time of death, he had specifically named her as the executor of the trust or the administrator of the trust. And so a huge fight broke out after his passing because she thought she was in charge of everything. It turns out the language in the trust had a separate provision that said something that essentially instructed her to set up a new legal entity that would then have input from his two daughters from a previous marriage. So all of that was written out mm -hmm. and yet there was still a fight afterwards. So it's an interesting thing because for one, you obviously can't control what's going to happen after you die. If, if your ex-wife decides she's just going to take control over everything, you, you don't know how someone might, you know, respond to a situation. Um, but it does, to, to my mind at least, kind of highlight the need to be pretty specific and kind of really think through what this might look like once the artists, once you as the artist are, are not around. Yeah. And, and as you were saying, in terms of, uh, you know, estate planning attorneys are, are very different than, you know, entertainment attorneys. Um, obviously, what we're talking about here is, you know, the copyrights being folded into the estate can be a creative process, but the nuanced aspects of, you know, execution in the will and, uh, you know, who can uh, uh, contest the will and things of those natures and really planning out the estate should be an estate attorney. So it's important that you work with, you know, a firm like Parlatory Law Group, where we do have access to all those specialized attorneys that can sort of take, an, uh, you know, a successful musician on board, handle that that copyright licensing aspect of, of their career, and then also fold that into the estate planning with one of our partners who specializes in the wills, estates, and trust portion. Uh, of law. Um, so that's important too. Yeah, that's really great. I mean, that's a great point just because while we have, while we're doing the entertainment, we do have access to the specialized attorneys who do the, the, the wills and estates, but you can start from the ground up. So if you're a newer artist that's coming in and you're just doing song, you're just starting to do your songs, you're just starting to do your merch, you're just starting to do your licensing agreements you can kind of build all those things all at once so that you know, okay, this is my first licensing agreement. I can make sure, okay, got that, put that piece. I know that I have this. I know what's going on with this. We can talk to another, the uh, the other attorney that's do handling that aspect of it and say, okay, we got this licensing agreement. How can we work this into the current will? Yep. And just as you're doing things, you just plug it in. You just plug it in. It's not like you're rewriting the whole will. You're just... You're kind of putting those pieces in there as you're going and you're not having to go back and try to remember, okay, I did a deal with somebody like three years ago, but I can't remember what the yeah. deal was and for how much and for how, what was the term? 
you're just doing it all at once and you're just putting all the pieces together as you're as you're building your career and just make that a part of your your business when you're doing deals is so what you're saying is a will is a living breathing document <laughs> that's exactly right. a little exactly. irony there i suppose um yeah but uh, absolutely i mean you're you're there's so many entities that are involved as we know in entertainment law you know i mean there's so many hands in the pot and those hands always change i mean assignment of things and new licensing deals and and like I was saying before with NFTs and sort of the emergence of new sort of crypto technologies and token technologies and everything else under the sun, there's a lot of things that, that is not accounted for now in your current will that needs to be written broadly, but also specifically as things change and, and ownership changes. And so exactly, uh, precisely, if you look at it as an ongoing process to fold in and you're you know constantly updating it to align with the times while you're alive you have the best shot of writing the most um, broad and and specific will upon your death to make sure that everything that's happened in your career is accounted for because i mean we know there's always money left on the table in copyrights i mean if, it, if it's just a, a lack of royalty collection it's not understanding all of the revenue streams that are associated with with you know any type of royalty that's associated with the copyright, whether that be on the sound recording side or the composition side, there's a lot of stuff left on the table. So if you're working closely with your copyright attorney and you're working also with your, your will attorney, they should be working in tandem to build that into the will as you move forward throughout your career. And they're going to be able to help you help guide you on what your state expects. So like what yeah. Max was talking about, I'm in Louisiana as well. And in Louisiana, there are two different types of wills. There's an holographic will and there's a notarial testament. Both of those have two different sets of requirements. And if you don't hit those requirements, it could void out your 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 will. And it just it may be as if that doesn't exist. It may just void out pieces of your will. And some of it may hold up, some of it may not. Mm -hmm. But your your wills and trusts and estates attorney is going to be able right. to guide you on that. For instance, like with an holographic will, the whole thing's got to be in the handwriting of the testator. It's got to be in the handwriting of the person whose will it is. And you're not necessarily going to want it. Like if you're an entertainment an entertainment person, a professional, you're not going to want to handwrite your entire will with all of your licensing agreements and your merch and all that stuff. Like you're going to have to go back in and like write that in. Cause if you write it and then type some of it, the tight portion, the part that you typed out may not, a court may look at that and say, yeah, that doesn't exist mm -hmm. and cross that out because it's not handwritten. So if you don't, if you're hitting those rules, right. You we, may, you may be writing a will, but you may not be writing a will. Yeah. And, and we requirements in New York with, you know, um, attested um, witnesses. I mean, you know, you, you if you're writing in a some sort of codicil, amendment, anything, if you're not following the execution of the law in informing that will, you could think this entire time you have one, and then at the you know somebody's going to argue that you don't, or somebody's going to argue that that particular version of the will is not sufficient under current execution laws in that state um, or, or formation laws. So, And that, I mean, that happened with Aretha Franklin. Yep. She wrote out her wills, but just did not execute them correctly. She didn't sign. So who wrote that? Uh, what does that look like in court? A handwriting expert comes in. And then right. we, say we talk five years later and they're still fighting over things. So you, it can get complicated very quick. Yeah.
So there's a lot to think about here. Let's break this down for a second. So one thing that struck me as you guys were talking was all of the kind of organization of, you know, copyrights, your licensing deals, the LLCs that you control, other things that may, you know, be among an artist's assets for purposes of creating a will sounds like it'd be really important to be very organized with all of that. And, and what's striking me about this is it kind of indicates that it's maybe not a bad idea for artists to stay really organized about this stuff sort of as they go. I mean, for one, you won't necessarily be thinking about your will at the same time you're working on your new album, right? Maybe it's something you kind of do in sequence. You write a new album and then you have some downtime and then you're like, all right, let me handle some business things and take care of this. And that's totally, you know, reasonable and, and fully expected. Um, but what I think is interesting here is that in many situations, people might be waiting years or more before they actually take that time to sit down and at least handle the estate side of it. And so if you've been keeping all of your copyrights organized, you've got everything registered, you know, promptly when you create it, you have copies of all of the contracts that you've signed in a, you know, in a folder somewhere, you know, you have a, a, a master list of, of what's in your catalog, you know, all these different things that, to be honest, really aren't that hard to set up at the time, you know, creating a master list for your catalog, make it an Excel, Excel sheet. Maybe you're only putting three songs on there for your first three songs, but later on, as you keep adding things to it, you won't have to go back and try to recreate all of that. And so I have to imagine that's going to be a benefit not only during the estate planning process, but as an entertainment attorney, I can tell you that would make things so much smoother for a lot of artists on kind of a day-to-day -day levels, right? As well, right? Absolutely. And I mean, it, I think it's important to talk about this even outside of just like death. You may not die. You may get into a car accident. You may have any kind of accident. You may, something may happen to you where you may not die. You may just be in a state where you're incapacitated, you're no longer able to mentally or physically take care of your own estate. You may have somebody else that has to do it. If you already have that stuff set up, you're making their job easier as the person who has to step in and take care of your estate for you because you no longer can. You already have it set up and they can look at it and say, okay, great, I know exactly what he wants or I know exactly what she wants. Stepping, stepping into those shoes and then down mm -hmm. the road, when you do pass, they can say, okay, I already know what they want. All right, they've already written it out. It's done. Here you go. Mm -hmm. But that brings up another good point, which uh, I don't think we've mentioned yet, which is that um, if you are being proactive about putting a will together, let's say, you know, earlier on in life and you're healthy and no, nothing happens to you, it isn't necessarily sufficient that that will you put together when you were 32 years old is still going to be the best will for your situation when you pass away at 75, right? So one thing which I'm sure estate planning attorneys will mention when, when people go and speak to them, but one thing you know to be aware of is that a will should be updated as you add more assets and as you get married as you have kids, as things in your life change, you want to make sure that the, the will and or the trust that you've created sort of stay up to date. Because essentially you want, you know, ideally, you want, you know, when you die, 
that whatever will is used to probate your assets is sort of the most current and accurate reflection of what your assets were at the time of death and what your wishes were at the you know at that point in your life because your things might change right you you might have a will when you're in your 30s that gives things to uh, a good friend and then maybe that friendship falls apart 20 years later but then that person's still named in the will when when you pass away and then you have this sort of unexpected or unintended results so a lot of things to to think about there um this is there's been interesting to that to the what you're saying there um i'm gonna go back to the nfts because i love them but um you know, it, it'd be interesting in that context of what you're saying is that, you know, as things change moving forward and, you know, new technologies emerge or, or whatever, if we find that the courts are going to sort of connect NFTs to the copyright world, uh, you know, once it's once the two systems crash and your particular will, let's say Aretha Franklin's will didn't really account for any kind of that NFT type world, but it just accounted for copyrights. And then the courts, you know, somebody makes an NFT of all of the stuff of Aretha Franklin. And so technically in her will, you wouldn't have access to anything. But then five years from now, we hear a, you know, a, a Ninth Circuit decision that's going to bring in the NFT world into the copyright world. Well, you just have five years of revenue that was created from an NFT, which is actually a court decision came later that it should have actually been incorporated and folded into the copyrights. I think that's going to get messy with a state law in particular. Um, uh, that, that'll be an interesting crash, uh, an mm -hmm. interesting layer of it all. Um, as these new technologies emerge. So now that we're kind of getting to the end of this topic, what are some of the key takeaways that our listeners should come away with? I, intellectual property is called intellectual property for a reason. It is your property. You can do with it what you will, pun intended. Put it in your will. Your significant other will thank you. Your descendants' kids, your kids' kids, they will thank you. Your close friends will thank you. Whoever you want to put in your will, will thank you for thinking forward ahead in time and including your IP in your will so that they can benefit off of your work from today, whether it's in a studio or your paint studio, whatever you're doing, they will be able to benefit off of your work in the future. Yeah, and, and you should not fear dying with a will. You should fear dying without one. Uh, if, you, if you have any... <laughs> You know, it, any desires at all for your hard work and your, you know, especially something as, as unique to musicians in particular, their their art that they create is so near and dear to their heart as their families are. It'd be such a natural thing to want to give that experience of all those years and all that grit and hard work and passion and to be able to give that to your loved ones going forward. You make the mistake of not laying that stuff out and you have some person in the state office deciding where your passionate music artistic creation is divvied up to. And that's nuts to me. I, that, that, that bothers me a lot as somebody who appreciates that creative process to hand that to a state to decide uh, is, is definitely not, not ideal in any, any sense of the word. Yeah, so artists, if you've been listening to this, 
the main thing is just handle your copyrights, which is probably the overarching theme of pretty much every consultation I have with every client. But particularly when we're talking about estates, definitely a good idea to think about the long term and not just what's happening in your career while you're alive. So that pretty much wraps up our topic for today. Thank you so much for watching and listening to Law in the Limelight. We put out a new podcast every Wednesday. If you'd like to know more about each of our individual law practices, check out the link in our description, Parlatory Law Group. Um, you can also join our mailing list or visit parlatorylawgroup.com where you can find our contact information, email us directly. We also have a Discord page, social media presence. Come check us out, Law in the Limelight, and we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. One of our rules is telling you about the other rules. First thing you should know is nothing we say here is legal advice. And you shouldn't take it as legal advice. We'll be giving our personal thoughts and opinions on various entertainment industry issues. And we hope that it's informative and maybe even educational for you. But if you have a specific legal issue, then I recommend you contact an attorney directly and set up a consultation where they can give you legal advice. And the second thing you should know, even though we all work for the same firm, it doesn't mean that we all speak on behalf of our whole firm. The views and opinions expressed are solely our own. Final words of warning Depends on what state you're in While you're watching or listening Be aware that Law on the Limelight May be considered attorney advertising And that's all I have for you today I hope you enjoyed listening So without further ado Please enjoy Enjoy Law in the Limelight. Law in the Limelight. Please enjoy. Please enjoy. Law in the Limelight.